Hey everybody, this is Marky Ramon, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. They definitely do. Hey, you're listening to Scott Blasey of the Clarks on Iron City Rocks. Hey y'all, this is Clinton from the Carmen Heart. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 416, uh, a bit of a homegrown uh, show for us here in Western Pennsylvania. We have a band that, uh, although they are from Western Pennsylvania, I think if you're in the sound of my voice anywhere in this country, anywhere on this planet, you're going to be hearing more from uh, very soon. The band is The Common Heart. Uh, they have been uh, around. They have a album out in uh, 2016, but they're second album pressure uh, is coming out in mid-august and i think we'll really blow the doors wide open on this band uh, they've been touring across the country so it's just a matter of time before you're they're on your radar so we're going to talk to vocalist clinton clegg uh a voice that it really just blows me away uh, we've talked in over the years if you're a fan of the show a listener of the show you know we've talked to some of the greatest vocalists really in the world um, in the world of rock and metal but uh, Clinton brings something I think very uh, unique uh, something you can't train uh, just a, an amazing tone to his voice so we're really enjoy to talk to him we're going to play you a little bit of their music in just a moment but also joining us a, a little while later we have Johnny Weber of the Western Pennsylvania Blues Society uh, coming on talking about what their organization is what they do how you can get involved if you're into that so what we're going to do we're going to play a little sneak peek of uh, some new music from the Common Heart We'll get into that interview with Clinton. Ruin your day 
Ladies and gentlemen, my distinct pleasure to welcome the Iron City Rocks. We have from the band The Common Hearts, we have Clinton Clegg on the line. How are you doing, Clinton? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. You guys are uh, kind of on the uh, doorstep of releasing your sophomore album. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you know the band's sound has sort of evolved, changed uh, between your 2016 release and, and where you are now? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we uh, well, when we started that that first record, a lot of the songs were kind of written by me and we kind of piecemealed through the studio to get things mm -hmm. to happen and we were going through some uh some band member turnover uh, right. which had its challenges uh, in the early days um and and this this uh follow-up record is a it's really this it's been the same group through the whole process it's uh it, it's, it's very cohesive in that way and another difference is, is we kind of we went in and worked with a producer and Jeremy McDonald, who's a, a, a McKees Rocks native, but okay. based in Brooklyn. Okay. And he um, and he kind of broke us down a little bit and challenged us to um, simplify the song, simplify our playing, and it it really shows through the record. And it's just it gave it a it gave it a cohesion that I've never heard us have in the past and honestly it translated to our live performance in the sense we've been out um since we worked with him so the experience of this second record has just been um it's been a real page turner for the band and our overall sound and the sound of the record is some of it just the comfort you have in the studio i'm sure you know you stick the mics and all that stuff in front of any musician for the first time and it can be somewhat uh, paralyzing um, do you feel more at ease in that in that environment now? Uh, yeah, for sure. I've I have a few sessions under my belt now, and I do I have gotten more comfortable in there. Um, we approached the, the studio on this record a little differently. Instead of um, you know appointments and doing a bass session separate of everything else, we went to a studio. Um, called Gradwell House in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and we essentially lived there for a full week. Um, and, you know, as a guy in all my experiences in the past, you know, I'd go in the studio for a couple hours, come back the next day, drive home at night kind of thing, to a place where you just kind of, we just kind of moved in 14 hours a day for seven days straight. Um, it was a totally different experience, and I honestly preferred it. Yeah, I, th I think sometimes when you're submerged in, in a project like that, it can help. How about, when it comes to, you know, you guys are, are not your normal four, five-piece band. Um, you've got horns, you've got background singers. How much effort, and, and who sort of takes the rein on arranging the songs? I mean, obviously people can write melodies and, and things like that, but sometimes to get it to this, you know, big sound that your band has, um, that's that's an art in itself. Yeah, for sure. I, the way it's kind of, you know, functions now is, you know, I'll, I'll bring a concept to the group, you know, maybe a, a verse chorus and a bridge. And, you know, we kind of talk about what, you know, what kind of song, it's, all, it's driven a lot from our live shows now. What kind of song does the band need? What kind of song does the band want? Because a song in its simplest state can go so many different directions. You can 
you can take a concept or something and, and say, oh, you know, I really want to do a ballad or we need something upbeat here, or different vibes and d different ways it can be translated. Uh, and kind of start at the bottom, you know, we, we find grooves we like, dramas we like, and add as we go, you know, we'll, you know, I write most of the stuff on guitar, so that's kind of an early product, and then we'll add some organ and some keys, and then we'll start talking horn parts and, and melody mm -hmm. lines from singers, um, kind of kind of the icing, if you will, um, at that near, you know, close to the end, unless there's something that's really distinct at the top, you know, but right. that's kind of how it goes. As a songwriter, do you get kind of involved in... in charting out the horn parts and things like that or do you just kind of let them you know throw ideas at you and you give it kind of a thumbs up thumbs down sort of thing so so i have a really interesting relationship with my highly musically trained group and i'm mm -hmm. talking eight eight of the nine of us are classically trained if not when I went to Duquesne for jazz or whatever, sure. and I am not—I'm a garage player. I couldn't read a cleft note on a page. I couldn't so you're, play. Anything. You're the odd man out so of your own band. I'm—I'm <laughs> I'm the odd man out, and uh, they speak languages that I don't understand. But they've—we've grown to develop our own language, and with horns specifically, you know, I, I'll just sing what I hear, and then they mm. come, you know, uh, and they'll take my idea and build this mm. harmonic beautiful thing that that they're good at you know right. we we've developed a report where they they can really read what i'm wanting and then then do it the right way for the song musically right yeah i, th I think it's, it's important you know when you've got you know got organ you've got keys you've you know bass it's so easy for everyone to just totally bombard a song to make it almost unlistenable when everybody just kind of doesn't interact well you know that's that's and it's certainly nice you know when it works right it's so beautiful you know to listen to uh, and i think you guys really nailed it on this album uh, you know I, I really enjoy you know you've got very tasty guitar solos in there um you know keeping it interesting for the rock you know fans you've got so much soul in the album uh, which kind of leads me to your voice which is you know as we talked off air uh, a son of Monongahela, Pennsylvania. We don't expect to hear your voice. Um, that, where did that come from? Was that something that you worked at? Was it something just God gave you? Uh, well, God did give it to me ultimately, but it is something that I kind of worked worked out through the years. Um, the I kind of started. I I came into music a little differently. I, my my first dream was to be a rapper okay <laughs> and i uh, i started rapping when i was a uh, a young teenager and then it kind of turned into some light singing and then you know I, th I think i got away from that style of music my mother gave me a bb king record and mm -hmm. i started exploring more blues and soul and then what really drew me in when i got to like the al greens and the otis reddings and yeah you know those kind of voices was not only the voices and I would try to emulate you know try to just sing along to Al Green it starts to like drive your your range and spread your mm -hmm. range out and I think that's kind of how it started but then what kept me with them was not just their voices but the the art of their performance the way that they uh, 
would communicate with an audience and just mm -hmm. essentially be willing to die on stage every night and that that's something that was like the most powerful thing I'd ever seen so that it's kind of came from that and when I you know over the years um, the, it started to form into more of this raspy thing that, that it that's kind of become but it was it was definitely in the making it wasn't it wasn't always there but it I think some years on it have kind of made it a little more uh, a little more show ready <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it's something you know when I listen to your voice I, I immediately started thinking of um, Otis Redding when I, when I kind of went through you know your earlier material and and even you know a Janis Joplin sort of style of singing and then you know to listen to that and I think boy you know that's probably not easy you know in bands especially when you're you know starting out you're playing maybe two sets a night very long sets very hot environments that are likely very smoky it's probably not an easy thing to keep your voice was that something that you had to kind of get past as a singer to the you know where you couldn't talk after a show or, or were you pretty comfortable where you sing naturally um I've, I've been pretty comfortable some of the like the i noticed it more and the, the only time i've ever had trouble was like really high altitude so you mm. know, got to colorado yeah got pretty interesting um but other than that it's you know the smoking never bothered me uh you know or just or going long you know um from touring with uh we were fortunate enough to, to support jj gray and mofo mm -hmm. for a little while and, and jj kind of was was kind of like you know teaching me a few things another another tremendous singer uh, an awesome guy you know he was telling me about talking after a performance is the right. worst thing for you yeah. um and and that's tough to do as a young band because you know going out and being social and meeting the people you just performed is a big part of it it's a networking you know you're trying to absolutely you're, you're trying to be you know mingle with your fan base and have them get to know you and um i've learned that if i kind of hold that back and just try not to talk because i'm a i'm a talker too and i'll just go off and then i'll and like later that night, I'll be like, "Oh, where'd my voice go?" But right. it bounces back the next morning. It's, it's uh, I'm kind of learning as I go on that. With doing like now that we're when we're out on the road doing six, seven nights in a row, I do approach things a little differently now, just to be just because I always want to be my best. But it, it's, yeah, uh, it's been a learning process. Yeah, it is. It's always it impresses me when when you hear a voice. You know, whether you're a you know a high soprano type of singer yourself where it's, it's you know a, a raspy or more soulful thing that it's 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 truly an instrument you know any more than tuning a guitar and keeping it in working order you've got to keep yourself in working order and you know and for, your guitar doesn't get the flu or pick up a cold in an airport or you know things like that so it's it's certainly got to be yep. work. Um, one of the things of interest to me is to watch your band um, over the years sort of pick up momentum and then really break beyond is is i like to say the 724 412 area codes um you mentioned touring you guys are on the road it looks like a great part of the summer um you see a lot of bands in, in western pennsylvania kind of clamoring for a healthier music scene and you know a lot of bands fight with the the economics of music today what do you think you know when looking at your band and how you guys have 
manage to, to grow the band and grow the boundaries of your band. Um, what was the key, do you think, t- to getting, you know, beyond, a, you know, a local band that maybe played every other weekend in a club to where you're playing six nights a week all over the country? Yeah, uh, it, perseverance is the first, you know, and, and working mm-hmm. hard, which I know a lot of people are willing to do, and that's a great first step. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you need some help along the way, and you got to be willing to leave. Um, yeah. And your and your team has to be, you know, it has to be a team. Your band has to be a team and a family. And I've been fortunate enough to have, you know, all the members of the Common Heart today are interesting. You know, they're just as crazy as me in some ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, you know, it, it's not it's not easy to tour as extensively as we've been doing sure. as we're planning to do. And um, but. You know, as far as like the the key, I, you know, I don't I don't really know about a key. I just know that I know what we did, which was practice every single day we could, be the best band we could, first and foremost, being anything, anything sure. else, and sh- and display the willingness to be super professional in our behind the scenes dealings. Mm-hmm. And be super friendly in all our networks, and always be positive with people. And I think that when you're that kind of musician, a, a musician, you know, just very respectful and kind and professional, that I think that that pays dividends down the road as you progress as a band too. And, and um, all those things just kind of add up, and you try to be. Uh, you know the best musical you can be and then but even with if even if you do all that there's still some some outside help needs to happen yeah um and you need you know i hate to say luck but you know there's a there's always a little bit of luck in anything in life yeah right yeah no i mean you're absolutely right and i think you you mentioned something about you know the attitude and i think you know dealing with from you know, the media perspective, I know that that makes a big difference. You know, there are bands out there who are. Sometimes you can say, okay, they're successful, and there's a reason for it because of the way they treat the people they work with, from you know the the lowliest of of media outlets to the biggest media outlets, and um, you can sometimes sense that you know that th- these people get it, and this is how it works. Um, and then you'll see people that you can flatly see that don't get it, you know, that are just rude and, and, and things like that. And the, you remember that. I think everybody remembers when they approach a musician as a fan for an autograph or something, and they were the person was either absolutely lovely or was an absolute jerk. That kind of stuff sticks with you, you know. Yeah, and it, yeah. And it can define you. Um, one of the things that, that I, when I listen to music, and obviously music has become uh, um, so many different genres you know when we were younger you know there was a rock section a country section maybe a hip-hop section in the record store now we don't have record stores but we also don't have genres almost when you market your band uh, you don't do what everybody else does as far as musical style i mean is it something that you really have to look at you know when you know when i listen to you guys i hear a lot of soul and and some blues and r&b and um, you know most cities don't have a station that really fits what you do but yet you know you see bands that are succeeding with you know odd formulas of music um do you guys have to kind of lay out you know a game plan of how you marketed what bands you tour with 
um, that'll best benefit the music you make? For for sure. I mean, the, the you know, like I bring JJ Gray up again. That mm-hmm. that was you know that was very thought out. We were mm-hmm. a great fit together. You know, to be um, be in that. You know, his you might know a certain market or a certain demographic that right. that this kind of music reso- resonates with, and and you certainly target that. You know, um, but that said, not to, you know we wouldn't be afraid of exploring you know uh, other situations. You know, sure. Um, but yeah, you, you do have to be mindful of it and and know and understand, um, you know, the, the demographic that you're looking to gain as a fan. Sure. Um, and, and you, you know, that might even change within a set list in a night. You know, if I yeah. if I'm, you know, if I'm on a place where I know maybe there's a, you know, a, a, a more of a sit down audience, maybe we'll come out a little softer because we, right. we can do that. Or or if we're looking at a raucous a uh, group of, of younger folks ready to throw down mm. um, you know we can we can explode out, out of the gate and so we do think about that we talk about it a lot and, and um, yeah it's something we're definitely conscious of yeah I mean when I listen to you know the album you know it's got so many different flavors in it um, but then you listen you know like I don't know that anybody and, and that's one of the things I love about the band I don't necessarily listen to this and say I don't know anybody currently making music that sounds like this you know, and it, and it's refreshing. But then you think, okay, how do you market that? What do you, you know, whose ears do you get this in front of? Do you try to appeal to the jam band crowds? Do you try to appeal to the blues, you know, hardcore fans? Or, you know, there's certainly just so many different directions you could go with the style of music you make. But, um, you know, the good thing. Yeah, is there's. St- to- I mean, there's there's definitely challenges in that, and I and, and you're right. And we, you know, we we think about what, where what market do we really want to get in front mm-hmm. of, and we're we. What we've come to see, though, is that regardless of of what kind of show it is, what people right. respond to is the authenticness of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there, and it's and that's a positive sign. So I think yeah. we could get in front of most markets, and people would be like, "That's something I can be into." You know? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's great to see, you know, because at the in the end, you you really want to see. Quality songs, quality songwriting, and quality performance rise to the top. And you guys are certainly, I think, well on your way. The uh, the album sounds fantastic. Now this is coming out. At, am I right? Mid August, we'll see the release of Pressure. Yeah, eight sixteen, August sixteenth. Excellent. And the title Pressure, uh, anything to do with you know the sophomore, uh, the, the you know the the kind of expectations from a band, or was it just based on the song or? No, exa- exactly that, and that's so- the song that is on the record is about that too. You know, this is the uh, we feel that this is our chance to, you know, really make a step forward and let the, you know, what this band's going to be, mm-hmm. um, be explained by what this record can do. And we're working with um, a label for the first time. You know, we're just getting used to working with. Uh, booking agents and managers and we we got a, a team that, a very special team um around us and all the all the eggs are in one basket and this is and there's pressure there <laughs> yeah it's real it's a, you know we really all believe in this and and the there's pressure at home there's pressure in the van there's pressure on every stage and the album speaks to that excellent now you guys are doing a show the uh, 17th at club cafe am i correct that one's sold out at this point correct 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're and then you're coming home again to do a show at Stage AE and in November, if memory serves me correct, yeah, November 9th you'll be Stage AE. Yeah, it was kind of like a we did a we like to do these little package deals where you know for our really you know passionate fans we're gonna do a nice intimate show at Club Cafe, and for buying that ticket you also get a ticket to the big extravaganza at AE in November, and it's kind of like a, a celebration of our record finally being out. And we'll go tour for a while, and we'll come home and celebrate with everybody after for the uh, for the whole thing. So we're we're real excited about that. Yeah, and looking at your dates, I mean, you guys ought to be a well-oiled machine when you come back in November. So it'll be fantastic to see you guys. And I believe those tickets are on sale now, or if not, they're probably going on sale in the next couple of days. We saw that uh, press release last week. So I wish you guys all the best with the new album again. Eight sixteen, show a club cafe on the seventeenth, and then back in town on November ninth. Clint, it's been a pleasure, man. I wish you all the best. John, my pleasure. Thank you, man. All right, again, August 16th, uh, Pressure from the Common Heart will be available. Make sure you pick that up uh, now at their website. You can pre-order it uh, in a digital. It's only 10 bucks, I think, to get that. So certainly worth uh, the investment. Uh, someone who's listened to the entire album can testify to it. And again, that's on Julian Records. Uh, we're going to turn our attention now to an interview I did. It's a little bit older. Um, didn't really fit in with, with some of the other interviews we've done lately, but I wanted to get this in uh, before it became too stale. Uh, we're talking to Johnny Weber of the Blue Society of Western Pennsylvania, which is a nonprofit organization made up of uh, essentially Pittsburghers uh, who are interested in the blues. So um, it was really a, a great chance to talk to her and find out what the organization is about, what it is they do, the programs for youngsters, um, how they keep, uh, you know, an American music form of the blues alive and well here in Western Pennsylvania. So we're going to talk to Johnny Weber, and we'll be Ladies back. and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome Dyer City Rocks. We have from the Blues Society of Western Pennsylvania, we have President Johnny Weber on the line. How are you doing, Johnny? Hi, how are you? I'm doing very well, very well. Um, you know, Pittsburgh has long had a, a history in the blues, as I think most major metropolitan areas do. Uh, I was actually interviewing or getting ready to interview an artist and kind of stumbled across your organization. So I wanted to get uh, a chance to talk to you about what the Blue Society does in Western PA, how people can be involved. Um, so could you maybe just start with, you know, in you know maybe a ten thousand foot view of what is the Blue Society of Western Pennsylvania, <laughs> what you guys do. Well, the Blue Society, our Blue Society is one of over 200 from around the world. Our work is to preserve and promote the blues genre of music. Um, it's to bring you to the music. It's to educate you. It's to share the music. Mm -hmm. As a society, we are fan-based. We're not booking agents um, and whatever. We are fan-based. We, we attract people to the blues. We have a blues family. And right now we have approximately 350 members. Okay. It fluctuates, but it's amazing. Wherever you go, you find somebody that likes blues. Blues yeah. is real. It's true. Um, it's the basis of a lot of other music, so it's actually very good. But anyhow, our group joins together. We're all not, we're all volunteers. None of us, none of us are paid. And we work to bring the blues into Pennsylvania and to keep it going, to keep the heartbeat of it going. Mm -hmm. 
Now, are, are the you mentioned other areas with uh, their own groups? Are you guys connected, or you know, is this kind of a network of, of things? Is there like a parent organization, or is it just more of an organic communication between the other groups? We are under the umbrella of the Blues Foundation in okay. Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. We are an affiliate. We're a paid affiliate. And okay. The, if you're an affiliate, then you can send. You have the opportunity to send bands to Memphis to the International Blues Challenge. Oh, okay. And we do network with all the others, a lot, many other societies to see what they're doing, how they do things, what works, what doesn't work, um, anything to attract people to the blues. Now, do you have, as far as uh, how you go about doing that, I mean, obviously, um, you know, these bands do work with booking agencies and promoters when they do shows. Um, they work with the likes of, of Iron City Rocks and other, you know, internet and paper-based media to, to get word out about shows. But where do you guys get involved in that? I mean, other than an events calendar, which I know you have a pretty exhaustive list there, what what all do you guys do as far as trying to raise awareness? Well, sometimes we host shows. A lot of times, um, venues will ask us to jump on board and help promote, mm-hmm. which we do. We use social media. We do handouts. We do whatever we think would suit that audience. Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow, we're all yeah we're we. Do what we're asked to do. Sure. Uh, we seek out talent at times. Um, other times they seek us out, and we just try to help. A lot of times we network bands across the state, across the country, mm-hmm. across the different regions, and wherever we can be helpful to our contacts, we we are. Okay. So it's a support group for the bands and the acts, and the acts therefore support us also in our efforts. Now, in, in your time with, with the group, have you seen a marketable increase or decrease in the popularity of the blues, or is it more consistent? You know, I, I think of certain types of, you know, in, in rock music, certain genres or subgenres, I should say, will become extremely popular and then die off, and other genre, you know, subgenres take their place. Does the blues fluctuate as much in its, you know, well, appeal? Everybody has their day, that is true. Um, but I would say that the blues is always simmering. Sometimes it jumps to the leader of the pack, sometimes it falls behind, but it's always simmering in western Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. If you look at some of our artists, they've been around the country, and they come back and stay in western Pennsylvania. It's amazing. They have so much talent, so much to offer. So yes, it, it um, jumps ahead, it, it slinks back a little bit, but it still keeps plugging along. Yeah, that's one of the great things that uh, I've always found about blues is it's always seemed, even amongst major artists in the industry, you still see a you know a Robert Crane, a Jimmy Vaughn, a whomever, getting together and playing, um, you know, which you don't always see. I'm gonna quote. Yep, go ahead. Let me quote Eugene Morgan about the blues, and Eugene's a uh, gentleman from down south. He does a lot of our blues in the school. He mm. goes out and plays a lot of music for us and for himself. But he said, he goes, you say you don't like blues, you don't know the blues. The blues is real, true. It's an American art form. It goes, it's just about feelings and it's about people. That's why it has its longevity. That's why it's always simmering because people always have a story. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I actually don't remember who said a good man feeling bad. Um, 
but it, you know it always had a but I think uh, you know uh, I think a lot of people sometimes who don't understand the blues also think that a lot of it is is downtrodden mopey for lack of a better word but there's some really great oh my up, you know up tempo um, <laughs> that you know stuff in there um, and it's not a simple music um, you know which is I think another thing that you know maybe people um, will think when they you know they think of the blues especially that don't know it um, you mentioned the blues in the school can you talk a little bit yeah, about what, what that is well there's many programs around the country where we try to educate young people about the blues. We take projects to school. We do workshops within the school. What we do is um, we take an educator. They talk about the background. They talk about the roots. Mm-hmm. One gentleman in particular we bring in occasionally is Taz Crew from upstate New York. He's a, he's a professor. He was uh, deemed... Blues Educator of the Year by the Blues Foundation. He comes in and he talks to the kids. He let, he talks about songs that relate to their dogs and their homework. So that they get a meaning to it and they get a beat to it. And he has the people get up on stage and they try to play harmonica with their teachers. So it's an all-encompassing thing where everybody's involved. You get to laugh at each other. You get to mm-hmm. have a little camaraderie. And it's just, it's, they, the children go away with like, wow, okay, maybe this is cool. And hopefully... That those sessions, something catches on and sparks the flame mm-hmm. that it grows, or maybe down the road they'll remember that and come back to that. But irregardless of all that, we just want to plant the music seed. Yeah. Um, we go to an inner school city in Pittsburgh at Stillworth Academy. Those kids, it's a um, performing arts school, and they test off the charts academically. And it's because they say it's because of the music. There's many studies out, so we feel that we're part of that, and we hope we try to contribute. Yeah, yeah but it's actually exciting. It's, they come yeah. to life. The children are just so eager and receptive. Yeah, yeah, it is amazing how I think everybody who's tried to learn an instrument later in life realizes how much easier it is when you're young and you absorb it, uh, much more sponge-like. Um, you know, and you progress so fast when you're young that it's a great thing to uh, to get it in there. And you're absolutely right. There's a tremendous amount of research between students' ability for foreign languages, for math, uh, and music. All you know, exercise the same part of the muscle, which is the brain. Um, so it's it's a wonderful thing to do. Now, as as far as how, how do you go about getting funding for things like that? Is that through you know you you have a membership? That, that people can purchase, and we'll touch on that. But I mean, do you have fundraisers through the year? Uh, right now, we're working with Hulahan, and we have projects every Sunday throughout the summer for a certain number of hours on Sunday nights. We call it Blues Sunday, and 15% of all food sales go to our Blues in the Schools project. Okay. And we take donates, and sometimes we have fundraisers where we will raise money to enable things to be done. So it's a collective thing, but mainly it's mostly fan-driven where people donate to that cause. We sell sure. raffle tickets. We do an annual raffle with a guitar that's signed by many phenomenal signatures, and the guitar gets a lot of miles on it every year while we're collecting those. But we raise a lot of money on our raffles also for the that fosters these programs. We do workshops where we do guitar workshops and 
the kids get to bring in the guitars, they sit through, they work, they talk. Mm. We just did a songwriting series where young people were taught to write a song, to go in with, they had a melody and they, they developed, developed words. They found their spots within the music to play. So that, it's very, very engaging. It's, oh, it brings tears to my eyes thinking about it. Yeah, that that's awesome. The the, the um, hula hands events those are um, are those workshops for kids or are those um, just a fundraising type of event? Just to clarify, um, hula hands these are, are these are paid gigs. Hula hands paying our acts to come in all blue back. Okay. And um, that's where the fifteen percent of all the funds helps enables us to do the children's projects at school. Okay. School projects. Okay. Um, we're we're trying to work with some very out of the box things right now with children. So it's actually kind of it's exciting. It's interesting. Yeah. The children okay. like sponges. are very receptive. That's excellent. So those are uh, those are live music events as opposed to educational events. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now yeah. the um, the membership. I saw you have a membership. Can you just talk a little bit about what that gets an individual who might want to support you guys? Well, it's a low cost of $20 a year. And all of our board members, none of us are paid for all the work that we do. So everything goes to our project, 100%. So $20 a year, you get to be part of an, uh, a worldwide operation to keep the blues alive. We also um, give you discounted shows that we sponsor, which is nice. So we say it pays to be a blues member. Sure. We send you a quarter newsletter, which the next one will be out in... July, right before the Blues Festival, and um, that's about it. Now, are you're you keeping the blue? You help be, you're helping be a part of it, where we do other projects within in the community for children. We do veterans projects. Um, we do things at Children's Hospital. So hmm. you know, your twenty dollars goes a long way. Sure. Are, are you you folks involved with the Blues and Roots Festival, the one in Cheswick? Oh, we most certainly are. We're thrilled to be a part of that. We're now working with Don Benton and Juan Esther to, to do that. It benefits autism. It brings the people for the music, but the children who are on the spectrum ultimately benefit because it provides vocational and musical skills for um, opportunities for children. Awesome. Yeah, that's a that's got a phenomenal lineup. I know um, year after year, it's always great to see you know, the level of talent, you know, in that genre. Well, this is our third year. This is our third year. We reorganized and started over from the ground floor up. So this year is a really tremendous lineup. Each year, the first two years, uh, National Access took chances on us. They came in. The people came. Ron Esther says, you know what, If you, do you think people will come? I says, you throw the doors open, people will come. And our, our new venue is under a massive pavilion. It's the Shriners Place out in um, Cheswick, PA. The fans come in droves. Um, I was talking to John Mento last year. He had a stand out of the way. He said people come with their own chairs because they set up shop through there for the day. He, he had never been a part of something like that before. So, yes, yeah, people love the blues. They come from all over, and the lineup's phenomenal. So each year we're growing. And, yeah. Um, I'm just excited that we're part of it. Yeah. Now, can you just touch a little bit on the Blues Challenge? I know that's already taken place this year, but what what that is about and, and how people can think about 2020 to get involved with that? 
Oh, it's, it's an exciting day. It's, I call it the Super Bowl of Blues in Pittsburgh. All over the world, people host blues challenges. And it's a competition, or you can appoint someone, but mm-hmm. we would rather have a challenge. And the, the ultimate goal of the challenge is that if you're an affiliate, you get to send two acts to Memphis to compete okay. in the International Blues Challenge, which is a very global event. They have close to 300 acts now showing up to compete annually. Um, we send a band and we send a solo duo app. Now, at the local challenge, everyone gets gives their best 20 minutes. Okay. 10 minute changeover. We follow the rules of Memphis. They have 20 minutes, we do 20 minutes. 10 minute changeovers, we do that. The show rules. We have a panel of judges who are all musically inclined mm-hmm. and have music background. And we do, we follow the judging process that the foundation sets down, so there's no surprises. If you want to go to Memphis, I want you, I want to ask to know that it's the same deal. You right. just give your best, and it's fun. They come to ask to turn out. They stay in tune. Um, we do it up, we do a nice blues challenge. We have programs, we have nice food, we have table setups. I mean, it's very, very nice. It's, I would say it's an elegant blues challenge. Is there an audition process for a band who, you know, might be listening to this that said, you know, we weren't familiar with this, we want to get involved? Um, is there a process, you know, do they send in a demo well, tape to be selected? Yeah. Well, what we do is we every Thanksgiving Sunday, we, we open our Blues Challenge. We open live applications. You can go online or mail me an application. Once we get your application, we actually search the Internet, YouTube, and all that to see what you have to offer. If it's the fifth, then you're in. You have to play something that's blues flavor, blues tinge, blues bass. Sure. And usually most most people who apply art, we have never been disappointed in an act of surprise. No, is it... each bring different dimensions. Are you looking for original? I mean, the blues is, I don't want to say littered with, but is known for, you know, being a very cover-friendly form of music. You know, there are many, many great blues artists. Do Are you looking for people to write original music to be involved, or is that well, not necessary? The criteria set down by Memphis is judged on uh, your vocals, uh, your musicianship, your showmanship, and originality. Okay. That's the big thing. You can throw in some covers, but if it's a choice between a band that's all covers, a few covers are all original, then the judges usually lean towards the ones that are the most original. Okay. Because if you're original, you're moving the music forward. Yeah. That, that's one of the things I've always found interesting with the blues is it seems to be very accepting of, of artists who include cover songs. You know, you look at, you know, some of the biggest oh, names, yeah. and, and you might see five or six cover songs on an album, uh, where if you were a rock musician and did that, you would be, you know, it's not accepted really by the fans. Um, so I was curious if that was, you know, a factor in the challenge. So then basically they... And you can readapt it. You can recreate. Yeah, that's a, that's a yeah, that's a great point. I mean, that's that's you one have of the. To make it your own. Exactly. So that would be uh, Thanksgiving coming up this year. The uh, Blues and Roots Festival is in uh, June. June, am I correct? July. July. The okay. Last weekend of July. Okay. They have weekend packages. They have food vendors. You get my pleasure, my company. <laughs> it's, it's just a fun thing, and it's for a very, very good cause. 
Now, now I, I mean, you must put a tremendous amount of work into this. Um, I notice you're also the newsletter editor. Um, do you all, the members of, the, of the, the board, are you all music fans or are you musicians yourself and this is something you want to do? Or how did, how did you get roped into what is, I'm sure, a tremendous amount of work? <laughs> uh, years ago, my husband had taken over and was elected president, and he was very charismatic. Mm-hmm. And he came to me as I was going to graduate school. It took me 20 years to get my four, four-year degree. No and shame in that. He, he goes, Blondie, he goes, I don't care what you have going. I'm supportive of all your projects. I need help. We need somebody to write us a business plan. We need somebody to organize this. We don't know how to do it. So there I was tagging along, and that's how I got into it. And then when he passed away, they, they asked me to be president. I was happy to do things in the background and yeah. support the team. But then I was pushed to the front. So, wow. yeah, that's how I got into it. The blues pulled me in. Yeah, that's it, it. It has a way of doing that. I, I know, and it, I'm sure you know. There's a lot of work that goes into doing this that that people wouldn't even realize. I know. Um, you know, it's always like that, though. You know, the amount of work that goes in behind the scenes, even to this show, that's is my, you know. But it's I a guess, passion. I even, I, it's my sure. overtime job, full-time job that I don't get paid for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. How I got into the blues. Years ago, my husband drug me to shows. I was there for the social, socialize. I didn't pay attention. Mm-hmm. I go to San Francisco. I go to, I went to a festival in Nod Hill. I took the trolley car up, hanging off the side, having a great time. They had three stages that day. And I walked around listening to music, and I saw people enjoying themselves. They looked like me. They talked like me. Mm-hmm. And I sat on her for a long time that day, just listening to the different sounds. And I called home. I said, you know what? I think I can dig this blues. I think I got it. Well, and then I heard B.B. King shortly after that, and I said, okay, I am sold. I'm in. Yeah, he has a way to do that. Uh, I, I know uh, many of people, will, you know, because, I think because his style of playing is so distinct, um, uh, you know, I can't think of anybody that really sounds like him before or after. Um, you know, and oh, he, he has a way of speaking with a guitar. wonderful man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, Johnny, I want to thank you so much for your time. I know we went a little longer than I thought, but I really found it interesting, and I'm hoping people will hear this and, you know, will develop that same curiosity or, or may, you know, just jump right in with both feet who, you know, didn't realize this organization was here and the work that you guys do. But your website, bswpa.org. Uh, you can get the information for the membership, uh, the information about the, the challenges on here, the Roots Festival. Um, you've got a, a looks like a very cool New Year's Eve show uh, coming up, so people can check out all that info. And I want to thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for talking to Blue. All right, a big thank you to Johnny Weber, also Clinton Clegg of the Common Hearts again. The Common Hearts album is out on the 16th of August. Uh, the album is Pressure. Uh, the Blue Society of Western Pennsylvania, you can visit them at bswpa.org. Uh, very inexpensive membership, well worth uh, for what you get. And, and you, you know, obviously from listening to the interview, there's a lot that the, the society has. Great ways for you to get involved uh, if you're a fan of the blues music or interested, you know, on a peripheral level of the blues music. So, great organization. I want to thank you all for listening. We are uh, at ironcityrocks.com. 
You can find links to uh, all the artists and all the past episodes, all 415 previous episodes, uh, if you enjoyed this one. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, are all forward slash Iron City Rocks. And you can drop us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Things you liked on the show, things you didn't like, bands you may be interested in hearing from, bands you're tired of hearing of. Um, you let us know. Uh, we want to do this in a way that uh, uh, people enjoy it. So let us know what you think. And until next time, thank you so much for listening. Yeah.